Aguinaldo! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Getting- Mike on Seattle Sports. Power through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Well, the full squad reported yesterday, which means first workouts are today, Brock. How about that? Spring training is officially fully underway now for the Mariners. We'll be down there a week from yesterday. Can't wait. We'll spend all of next week chatting with all the players, coaches, manager, GM, the whole deal. We'll be down mm. there kind of doing our thing and mm. observing and getting a sense as to what's really going on with this year's Mariners team. How about mm. that? How about then they play games Saturday? How about that? How about you report full practice today yeah. and our first games Wednesday, Thursday, five, five days? I mean, I mean, they don't need that much time. I mean, you know, the the first game is very, uh, it's a loose, <laughs> loose uh, interpretation of the word game. How's that? It, it is, but it does tell you that these guys are, they've been cranking it up for a couple months. These guys are working. They don't just show up. I mean, honestly, back in the day when the NFL started training camps July 5th, Salk, you had guys working second jobs, mm-hmm. and they would come in, and they'd have to you know, lose 20 pounds. They'd have to get themselves into shape. You didn't play football games for another like month plus. Baseball, these guys are all tinkering. They're all working. They're all doing their own little things in their places because, you know, base, that, that's baseball. You yeah. can't you can't get out of rhythm for three or four months and do nothing and then all of a sudden, no. sudden show up in Peoria today and go play a game on Saturday. But it's good It's good to see them out there and, and sort of working out. Now, there was uh, – Shannon reported this this morning, and this is going to play into a bigger conversation. Uh, Shannon's tweet from the Mariners' Dings and Dents Department. Luis Urias came in a couple of weeks ago for early work, had some shoulder inflammation and was shut down from throwing. Tests were good, and he was able to resume work with Perry Hill yesterday. Okay, glad that he was able to resume, but as you think through kind of what Luis Urias is, he's had injury issues, right? Is that kind of his rap? That's kind of the rap. Is he kind of a Brock Ewer guy? Gets a little ding and ah, ow! And then gets another little dance and ow. I think and just can't yeah. really stay on the field. I think the question is, you know, will he be able to and will is he willing to do whatever it takes to play through pain and be out on the field? Because if you're not, that's the kind of thing that drives guys nuts, right? Well, I think after following the guy that he's gonna follow too, because say what you yep. want about Gino Suarez and he struck out a lot, maybe the bat slowed down a little bit. That dude wanted to play hundred and sixty two games mm-hmm. and was gonna do whatever it took to play hundred and sixty two games and was furious when he did not get to play, you know, 162 games. So that dude was one tough sucker. Yeah, and so being shut down for a little while because of some shoulder inflammation at the beginning of camp, it may mean absolutely nothing, but it's one of those just little warning signs, and this is still the position that as you look through their lineup, there's really a couple of question marks, and this is one of them. Are you going to be able to get at least league average productivity from what should be an offensive position at third base. Mm-hmm. You already have some question marks in your corner outfield spots, right? First base, you need to have Ty France bounce back. 
this was a, a place where it felt like maybe there was an opportunity to just solidify third base so that it wouldn't be a question mark this year. So this is why the Matt Chapman stuff continues to have legs. And Ryan Divish reporting over the weekend that the Mariners have had some conversations with Chapman. Obviously, that echoes everything I've heard as well. Mm-hmm. And as we went through last week and, you know, some minor tweaks to it over the weekend, his suitor list is not great right now. The Blue Jays got Escobar. They're probably done. The Giants got Soler. I don't know that they're going to be a fit. But he's not. Soler's not a third baseman. He's not, but that may be the move they were going to make. The Yankees talked or talking to Snell. If the Yankees do something like Snell, they've got a they've got to pay luxury tax. So a forty million dollar a year deal for Snell turns into like an eighty million dollar a year deal. So mm. I I don't know whether that's gonna end up happening or not. But I don't doesn't feel like the Yankees are gonna be the team for Chapman. The Angels should probably do it. They should try to replace the odious Anthony Rendon. That guy loves ball. Oh, man. Those comments over the weekend Dude, that guy just, just brutal. That guy just loves to Ooh. play. <laughs> I'll give you the short version. Anthony Rendon, you know who I mean? Guy that the Mariners almost drafted. Instead, they picked... Uh, is that That's not the Dustin Ackley year. I think it's the yeah. next year. Yeah. Uh, I think it's when they picked... Uh, Danny Holtzen instead of Anthony Rendon. But uh, here's what he said, the guy who makes like a gazillion dollars and has always heard. It's never been a top priority for me. This is a job. So I do this to make a living. Uh, My faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. I mean, can't those things come before it and still have it be a priority for you? Yeah, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Right, it can still be a top priority. It is your job. And, you know, I I have a job. It doesn't pay as well as yours. It's one of my top priorities. Yeah, your job is your platform. It's your opportunity. Yeah. It's your vehicle. Kind of weird. I mean, it's one of. It's not my only top priority. I'm not coming. I didn't come to work yesterday. I mean, this this is just my job. Yeah. Okay. Just show up when I feel like it. Yes. My faith, my time up in Missoula. Great weekend, by the way. And then you. Okay. Just so you know, I'm your job. Yes. Third priority. Appreciate that. Yeah. So what do you do? What do you do if you're if you're Jerry Depoto? If you're Justin Hollander? If you're the Mariners? You've got a hole at third base, to some extent. Yeah. The problem is, there's there's not a lot out there. Gosh, I feel this clamoring right now. I feel some of the people, and it's not just Luke Arkins out there; it's others. And I saw some numbers yesterday that after April last year, yeah, he was brutal. (laughs) He had an unbelievable April, and then didn't play all that well after that. Totally true. Like like almost Wong bad. Absolutely. So here's so here's why I was why I was stating the case here, kind of where you're at. Like if you're Jerry and you look around, Evan Longoria is out there. He's toast. Mm-hmm. Gio Urshela, maybe he's is he a pitcher. No, Gio Urshela. <laughs> no, he's a third baseman. Oh yeah, yeah. He was with the Yankees, had a great year a few years ago, and then has kind of been okay since then. Yeah. He was with the Angels last year. His numbers are not like significantly worse than Chapman's and he's out there as a, an available third baseman, not a great defensive player. Mm-hmm. So if you want Chapman and you believe kind of what divish and what we've heard from passing everybody else in order to go get him, if you were Jerry, you would need to go to ownership and say, look, I know that we had a budget. I know that we're at that budget. This will exceed it, but I'm totally convinced that this is the player that is going to put us over the top, Mm. that this is the player that's worth it. 
And mm-hmm. as you were starting to allude to, if I were Jerry, I'd have a hard time doing it's that. It's a scary bet, man. It, it I, I don't know bet. that this is the guy I would want to be making that bet with. See, I would go into ownership and say, now, it's just John, not a good hand. Now, John, you're going to look at these numbers and you're going to be concerned. Okay. Now, John, John, I know there's some concerning numbers here, but this guy's a four time gold glove winner. And this is what, this is what we're going to need. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to need this. This is our area of some vulnerability, man. You should see the way the guys are working and the shape that they came in and the commitment they have made and just some of the humble pie that we had to eat at the end of last season and everything else. I mean, this thing is really, really close. And I'm not telling you that Matt Chapman's going to come in here and light the world on fire. And he may have a brutal April and may and be hitting a buck 50, but the dude's going to play defense mm-hmm. every day. And that, that is one thing for our pitching staff, right? It's kind of like a, I don't know, an offensive guard. Roger down at Tacoma, I need a guard. I need something to buttress this line. I need something that's going to make my quarterback and all my other weapons in my running game go. And it may not be sexy, and he may not be the greatest, but this dude can run block. Mm-hmm. And Chapman can play defense can. at an elite, you, you, elite you, you level. You need to be making that bet. I just, look, I, if money was not where it's at, if I were John Stanton, I would sign Matt Chapman because he's an upgrade over what you have. If I were Jerry Depoto, I would not go to John Stanton and say, this is the player I'm willing to bet on. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, because he would say to you now, how is this going to affect some other moves? How could this affect the trade right. deadline? How is this going to affect the signing of George and Logan and some of these young studs and pieces and, that we and, do and have? And this is where, you know, I said earlier, we can't just talk about ownership every single time we talk about the team because there is more to it than just the, the budget. But this is where the budget is obnoxious. This is where the budget's a problem. The Mariners should absolutely sign Matt Chapman. Is he great? No. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. But is is it just money? If it's just money money and he's an upgrade over the guys you have at third base, you should do that. He is an upgrade over what you've got right now, at least on paper. He's not perfect. I get it. I'm, I'm. You know me. I've never been a huge Chapman fan. I'm not oh, banging the you. drum for him. I mean, I know you. I know you know me. I mean, I we work you. together, Brock. This yes. is our job. It's your third priority. We know we know each other. But, like, <laughs> it's just money. You and it would make me. you better. I know you. We're one happy family. Yes, we are. And we're going to be in the desert, dude. That's, like, that's, that's not, that's not I know how that goes. I know it's not. Dude. Is there going to be a knickknack paddywhack in here? I, I know it's not how it goes. It seems like you don't. <laughs> yes, I do. It seems like maybe you don't know no, that. No, I do know that. And we had like a. It. And we had a wrap-off in the Hewitt home, and yours truly dominated oh, no. to the point that Haley and Macy were like, Dad, you're really good at this. And I'm like, yeah, yes, I am. What, what, what? I talk for a living, even uh, though it's just my job. Were you doing Don't freestyle, you or were you? Don't you worry about it. I us. am a little worried. I was about ready to record it. Uh-huh. No, you were Send weren't. it to you, fools. Yes, <laughs> I was. Really glad you didn't do that. All right, let's uh, give you guys everything you need to know. Ray Roberts is going to join us at 730. Maybe Jeez, Dad, uh, you'll feel really comfortable doing it for him. Really uh, that's coming up in 20. It's Brock and Salk, CL Sports on 710. CLSports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it's nice to get the entire team together, and they did for the first time yesterday. Everyone is assembled. They work out for the first time today, and... According to everyone down there, everything feels fairly normal, right? The offseason started off not great. Obviously, it improved from there. Scott Service, kind of happy, actually, when it was all said and done. Our offseason didn't start off great. <laughs> I think, you know, our fan base um, certainly understands, you know, where we were headed. I think the things that we've done here over the last six weeks, two months, a uh, fantastic job um, by both Jerry and, and Justin understanding 
you know, maybe some of the obstacles we were up against and try to figure out how to make it work. And it wasn't easy. A lot of creative ideas get thrown around by not just those two guys, but everybody in the front office coming up with ideas and, and how to get our team better. Finding a way. Finding a way. You know what I appreciate about Scott? Never lose that laugh. <laughs> never, never, <laughs> never lose that never laugh. Never away. And it never will. The nervous laugh. Oh, it is so good. Yeah, offseason did start so good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> but it certainly has turned around. You know, I think in retrospect, if this team, if this team could get going early, Saul can start off on the right foot. The Polanco move. That was a big one. Yeah, huge. That was a big one. Can you imagine if they reported today and second base was Rojas and yeah, Dylan Rojas and Moore, Moore and, and third and base Urias. was just Urias. That's yes. it. No, yeah. it'd be a, a completely different team. It'd be super disappointed. Yep. Yes, now all are. of a sudden things look a whole lot better. Uh, also, one of their other big questions has been starting pitching depth, and they took a step to fixing that over the weekend Someone as well. Was talking about that, Levi. Guy. I did have a thought that maybe they would go after Levi yeah. Stout after he was released in Cincinnati, and they did, which made perfect sense. They claimed him. Scott, happy to have him back. You know, I'm really happy to be back. Certainly, it was uh, his career was uh, headed in a certain direction, and you know, you go other places and. Whatever, I don't know the whole story. There was probably a little injury involved there at some point, but um, you know, hopefully we can get him back on track. Um, he creates uh, a little bit more depth. Um, he is a starter, you know, whether he comes back in the mix with us and kind of see how that fits. Um, I don't project him making our major league team, um, and I told him that last night, but let's get him right and see if he can put himself in a position. We're gonna need more than five starters at some point. Uh, in the season, you want to have as many options as possible. So That's the right way to do that, right? You're not going to make the major league team out of camp, but mm-hmm. he'll probably pitch for them this year if he has a decent year in AAA. I love the name, too. Blue Jeans Beer, Levi Stout. Let's go. <laughs> Here's the second thing. Good serious analysis you got there, Brock. Three weeks uh-huh. from today, NFL free agency begins, and we will get our first sense of what kind of team that John Schneider or Mike McDonald want to build together. Uh, they have options, right? Are we going to see any of McDonald's former Ravens here? Justin Matabuike, Patrick Queen, Geno Stone, a couple of guards. Baltimore could franchise tag one of them. And today is actually the first day that they can do that. That starts today. They have until March 7th in order to make that official. Who would you rather have, Brooks or Queen? Joel Corey was on with Bump and Stacy last week. I don't necessarily know. He's your guy. Severity brings comfort. Mike McDonald comes from Baltimore. There's a guy drafted right around him. I believe the pick after went to his first Pro Bowl. It knows this defense. It already has a high-priced linebacker there in Roquan Smith. They didn't pick up the option for almost 12-8. I'm sending Patrick Queen here. If you're going to pay a linebacker, pay him. You know what he can do in this system. No offense to Jordan Brooks. Probably costs more, but that one makes sense to me. Patrick Queen is a Seahawks. Yeah, the NFL calendar is moving, so 65 days to the draft. But next week, next Monday, the boys are in, Mo- in uh, not Mobile, in Indianapolis, Indiana for the combine. Mm-hmm. So all of that stuff gets going. That's where all the free agency talk really does begin. As you mentioned, franchise tags. Do the Seahawks have anybody worthy of that? I will dig into that and more in Blue 88. 
Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, unfortunately, somewhat familiar scene yesterday. Kraken had an opportunity but failed to capitalize on the late power play they got heading into overtime, and then they lost in overtime, 4-3, the final to Detroit. It was their first home game since before the All-Star break. So, yeah, it had been a little while. A couple goals from McCann early. Jaden Schwartz tied it late. Six-on-five hockey with the court on the bench. The Kraken will get a power play unless they score here. Gord's been active. Fakes. Schwartz shoots. That was John Buchgrass with the call on yeah, Kind of fun ESPN. national television game yesterday in the afternoon. Yep. Speaking of the calendar, time ticking on them boys now. Not just on this season, but on the trade deadline. I don't know, man. If you're management. 18 days. If you're, if you're management, what do you think of this team? Well, every time you start to think one thing about them, they do the opposite. That's right. So, I, you know, at, at some point that is who you are, right? You're just yes. inconsistent. And they're a team that can beat some of the teams that aren't that good, but they've really, outside of the Bruins, struggled against some of the better teams in the league. So I think I know where I stand right now. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're good enough to continue to invest in for this year, Mm -hmm. but we'll see. It's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salt Show. Yeah. And by the way, uh, that that sound you put, you're not paying Patrick Corey. He's not going to be your top priority. You can't have a dependent dependence position making that kind of dough. You just can't. And the, and the going right, by the way, and I'll get to this with those franchise tags. I was looking at some of the numbers last night, and I'm sure you saw some of the headlines bouncing around. The salary cap's going to bump up to mm-hmm. maybe $250 million. But there's been no position more impacted than quarterback and linebacker, actually. That linebacker spot in that franchise tag, hmm. wowzers. So if that's usually a starting point, you know, when we talked to Brady about this, right. and Brady's so connected to all these agents, much like the late, great John Clayton was, the professor. Like, that's where a lot of agents are like, okay, here we go. Here's the starting point. Here's the franchise tag. Here's the top five, you know, the average of the top five guys. Right. My guy's this and that, and we'll work off of that number. That is, I mean, years ago when Bobby got 18, you're like, what? 18 million for a linebacker on a dependable position? Like, really? can't do it. Yeah, well, that number is north of that. So I'm Hmm. not, I don't think I'm sniffing in any of that kind of territory for a Patrick Queen. (laughs) Interesting. Jordan Brooks a little bit different coming off off multiple injuries. injuries. And yeah, you do know him and. So that may be a little more of a of a conversation, but yeah, those guys uh, gonna hit free agency at a good time. I know Big Ray's wishing, sheesh. Yeah, I have played in this era. Yeah, there'll be some be some serious cash available for a left tackle yes. like him. Uh, all right, let's see. Coming up, uh, we got a lot of baseball today. We'll talk to Shannon. We'll go down to Peoria and hear from her at eight thirty, and then um, Brock, you're gonna get your chance today to talk to Dan Borsky. I know you've wanted this. What? I know you worry about that. I will embarrass you sometimes with what? people that you bring on the show. Consider me worried about you're going to you let me s- talk to the robot. Are you serious? Don't call him that, please. <laughs> What's at he, nine? He's an actual human. Please. You usually do this at six. It's going like, to be at nine. I know. Right when he wakes Anyone up, that Alexa. does analytics, Brock thinks mm-hmm. is like a giant yeah. computer. Because yes. I was please looking ahead on the show me. sheet, right. and one of the yes. things is if PFF had a voice, right? Well, so they please, have actual people. Please, that- please don't so embarrass me. I was looking at these numbers, Dan, and I am really, really curious. I typically do morph into the different people. I really want you to stop. In fact, Brock, if you want to take the 9 o'clock hour off, that would be essentially just fine with me. Ray Roberts is next. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710ZLSports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. You should have seen all the gatekeeping. 
this morning, Brock. People gatekeeping my pressure washing. Why didn't you do it this way? Why didn't you do it that way? Like, oh my gosh. Because I did it the way I did it. And it worked fine. I mean, ultimately, I'm going to need to call out a professional to come out and, you know, sure. do some landscaping and fix the stuff that now, you know, mm-hmm. once you do one project, it just shows the other three or four projects that you got to do. Yes. But man, I felt like a real man this weekend. I was out there. It is. Uh, gosh, it's, it's pretty fulfilling, isn't it? Very. Yeah. I mean, yes. it feels like you're erasing dirt from the, you know, ground. It's really, years of rot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, feels pretty mold. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a lot of uh, moss, really, is mm-hmm. what I was getting rid of. All right, what a wonderful intro for poor Ray Roberts. Uh, Ray, good morning. It's been too long. How are you, buddy? It's good to hear your voice. I'm doing pretty good. I didn't know that uh, planting dirt and rocks and moss yeah. Uh, yeah. really made you feel like a man. Well, I, I was, was, I was pressure thing. washing. You ever pressure wash? You ever spend some time oh, pressure oh, washing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a really interesting uh uh, manly mantra. There. Yeah, and I don't really feel like a real man because there couldn't be anything. There couldn't be less of a connection than be <laughs> than doing yard work and being manly. But I was out there. Uh, I was out there pressure washing Ray, and it was uh, quite an experience. Yeah, I know that can be satisfying, though. Yeah, you get rid of that yeah. dark dirt. Ugh, get it all out of there. You right, set enough. yourself up for a good segue here. I don't have yeah. any. I've got nothing. Let's just talk through the Seahawks. And- Jody Allen decided to pressure wash away this whole staff. <laughs> Start a new Big Ray. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, we will talk about more than offensive line play, Ray, because I know you're more than just an offensive lineman. But I do want to start there because it, it's sort of been one of the bigger kind of points of interest for me, which is when you look at their offensive line specifically and, and maybe their defensive line as well, the issues they've had, are they from not having the right guys or not having those guys coached, schemed, communicated with the right way? Man, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, to me, I think uh, they've had a lot of the right pieces. I don't know that they um, – one of the keys to, to really developing offensive line play as a unit and as an individual is that you have to really know what they can and what they can't do and then build game plans around that. You know, a lot of times, you know, when we talk about building game plans and play design, we think about what the receivers are doing or what the quarterback, you know, uh, you know is manipulating the, the secondary and all that kind of stuff. And we don't really think about uh, that type of development for – uh, for the offensive line, yeah, and so I, you know, if you look at the 49ers' offensive line, you know they have one first rounder, a second rounder, an undrafted free agent, a fourth rounder, and a fifth rounder that are that are starters. But their play design uh, with their pre-snap motions that kind of uh, help you gain either angles or numbers or both, mm-hmm. and then their post post-snap motions which challenge the discipline of the defense. And so, you know, that puts them in position to be really successful running the football, you know, and um, and protecting the quarterback. And I, I don't know that the Seahawks ever really adopted any of that. Um, you know, they, they I think they were still kind of in this physical run game, uh, Marshawn Lynch kind of a thing. And Marshawn Lynch is one of one. You know, he's just one of those dudes that didn't need a whole lot of space and uh, could break a lot of tackles and make some, some big runs. And, and so I, I think in this day and age, you have to be willing to, be innovative with the play calling uh, to help develop your offensive line. And I think that might be what they've missed more than anything, um, because I do think that they've had enough of the pieces to be successful. And I think Andy Dickerson is a really good uh, offensive line coach, too. 
biggest adjustment a college offensive line coach and Scott Huff, who's going to coach grown men for the first time in his life at the professional level, will have to make? Coaching grown men. <laughs> yeah. well, my, one year, uh, my last couple years in Detroit, we had this guy, uh, Pat Rule, who came from Michigan State. And um, you liked Pat a lot, right? His, his name was uh, Golden Rule. I've, Golden I've Rule. heard how much you like Golden, Pat. Golden yeah, Pat. I've heard he was your favorite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, anyway, came, he was with the Seahawks for a little while. But mm. oh, um, I remember. But, um, I just he just didn't he didn't come and know the room. He didn't learn the room uh, in a way that he could then be an effective offensive line coach. And uh, and in learning the room, that doesn't mean that you have to go in and be like, hey, these dudes have been here and I haven't and. They know as much or more than I do or anything like that. But it's, it's more about just how you present yourself to the room, how you, uh, especially to the veteran players, you know, like how, what type of respect you have for them, not that you have to have, they have to carry the room and do all those types of things. Most dudes are ready to fall in line. Uh, but there has to be a certain level of respect for what these dudes have done. Whether you like how well they've played or not, they've made it to this place. And that means something. And so I think you have to respect that. Uh, and then I think, you know, just he has to, he has to have a system, uh, techniques, drills, um, something that they can believe in. Uh, because if, if, they're, if you're kind of – if your way of doing it is something that they're not buying into, and this is for any coach, but even more so for a coach coming from college at NFL, if, it's, if, if the room isn't buying into to what you're selling – then it's going to be tough. Uh, but I, I think, you know, he's had enough success uh, and he's done well with some, with some offensive lines that, you know, when you look at them on the surface, didn't, didn't seem as, as like they were going to be as great as they were, mm-hmm. but as a unit, they played very well. I mean, last year, the offensive line wasn't very big at all, but they're super effective and, uh, and they protected the quarterback and uh, they ran the football at times. And so uh, I think he has, he has some good, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, notoriety, I guess, or, or some respect coming into the into the room, and now it's up to him to kind of move that forward. Hey, Ray, when you look at the roster fully, the full roster of guys that'll be returning next year, who who do you think will benefit most from having a new group of coaches? You know, to be honest with you, I think the young guys are going to benefit the most. I, I think that um, I think that Pete. Uh, and his philosophy, which I still believe in, and I think it still works, um, I don't think that it had enough success uh, uh, at a level that the young dudes could really, really, truly buy into it. And, uh, you know, he, they weren't going deep into the playoffs, and they weren't winning big games. You know, they were squeaking into the playoffs and, and just, you know, getting one or two games over 500. So, I don't think that the, the, the younger guys bought into it. And I do think that the reason that a lot of this coaching staff is a lot younger is to close that generational gap. Uh, you know, it's not that it's that Pete can't uh, communicate with them, but these are coaches that have been working with younger players, uh, you know, and, and have a younger kind of mindset about it. And I think that that'll, that'll make a difference. So you're, you know, some of your young guys like on the offense, like, uh, you know, K9 or, uh, the, the young offensive tackles, Bradford, the guard, the secondary, you know, with uh, with the young guys we have playing back there. I think those dudes will benefit from uh, from this younger coaching staff that is a little bit closer um, uh, in, in, in the generation than, than what Pete was. 
If you were on that plane back to Indy next week and traveling with this uh, this coaching staff and, and the scouts and, and uh, John Schneider and everybody else, and they said, okay, Big Ray, if you had to allocate resources to really turn this roster, as you just said, we've been league average, nine wins, eight wins, nine wins. We've kind of been around and hovered around that area. But if we're going to take some steps here with Mike McDonald and this new young staff, where do we allocate our resources both in free agency and certainly into the draft? Well, I, I agree with Pete before this season, before last season started, they asked him, I think one of his comments was uh, they needed to close a gap in the trenches between uh, the Seahawks and the 49ers. And I couldn't agree more. I think uh, on on both sides of the ball, you know, with the interior uh, uh, guard, center guard with this uh, on offense, you know, there's a lot of dudes that are up, Lewis, uh, Brown, and, and uh, Haynes, you know, mm-hmm. there's a chance that they may not be back. I, I, I do think that they're good players, but I don't know if they made the – especially Lewis, man. I really thought Lewis was going to be one of the top guards in the league. He just didn't make strides from, from one year to the next. And then Haynes just can't stay healthy and on the field. Uh, but I do think that they need to uh, they need to find – and this is what I think, too. Like, in the second, third, fourth round, some of those uh, – uh, you can find some guards – and centers and defensive tackles that are freaking meat eaters. Like you don't need to have everyone doesn't need to be a superstar. Everyone doesn't need to be the first rounder, but you need some dudes that are just freaking meat eaters. They just want to go freaking eat up defensive linemen or eat up offensive linemen. They need dudes like that, uh, uh, that can, that can do that. And I don't know that, uh, that they've really filled those gaps, uh, in the, in the previous years, Jaron Reed, you know, I think is a, is a good, um, a good player, but you know, up in age, uh, the big dude that they got from the Giants last year. Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to afford him, but uh, but they do need to find uh, some meat eaters that can close mm. the gap. I mean, because mm. that's that's where it all starts, man. I'm telling you, if you can't mm. protect and if you can't run the football, you're probably not going to win very many <clears throat> so, games. So, if you can't rush the quarterback and you can't stop the run, you're not going to run. You're not going to win very many uh, football games, and all that all that starts in the trenches. So you and I agree on that a hundred percent. I mean, I mean that—that's exactly where I would want them to start their their process as well. The problem is they don't have that many resources to do it. No second round pick. They may need a quarterback at some point here in the near future. And this brings me back to this conversation that makes a lot of people upset because they think I don't like DK Metcalf, and nothing could be farther from the truth. I think DK's great. But if you're looking to kind of change your roster construction and make sure that you are built from the inside out, it's hard to have, you know, one of your biggest resources be at at, at wide receiver. And I continue to wonder if you could bring back significant talent by trading a DK Metcalf. What do you think? Well, first, you remember when I first met you, Mike? And I'd set you up on the table. I do. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I feel like that's what I should do right now. Oh, come on. <laughs> but no, I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. The only thing is that if you get rid of DK Metcalf, then you better make sure that on the outside that you're that JSN is that dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, because He better uh, be, though. You drafted him number 20. He better be that dude. He's a first-round pick. Yeah, but I mean, but his skill set. I don't know. His skill set doesn't seem like he's like the number one dude in in, in the in the in the NFL offense. Mm-hmm. I don't I, just the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but DK is such a big time, big home run player, and also Mike McDonald is bringing over that that freaking get in your face physical style of football. 
and DK is that. Mm-hmm. And so, D, D, you know, so you can't like uh, you can't sell that part of it short either, uh, because this is a it's become a quarterback and receiver league. And so, if if you don't have the receivers uh, that can either carry uh, you know a, a good quarterback, or you don't have a great quarterback that can carry you know the like the Kansas City Chiefs receivers. Uh, then, man, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle with that too. But I do, I do get what you. When you first posted it, I was like, man, let me go over here and talk to Mike for a little bit. But um, when I when I when I listen to your explanation of right. it, I do get it. I um, do it's not an insane it. idea. And by the way, if you can't get enough back for him, I'm out. It's not like I'm like trying right, to trade right. DK at all costs. I That's like a, the way Ray characterized that. Let's be very clear. He I rocked thought you were insane. He but... rocked you like a little baby. He picked you up and he rocked you like a little baby. Swaddled you and then he put ever... you on the table. <laughs> so, for those that don't know the story, but they, but they do have to do something too, Mike. Because yes. even in free agency, there's not a whole lot of good uh, top high end like guards and centers that are that are available. There's only like maybe two that are, you know, decent, and the rest of them are, are pretty much what you have on your roster. And so then you're gonna have to figure out some way to either a combination of the dudes you already have, and then finding some someone in the draft. And the sales have always done well trading down and getting extra picks and all that kind of stuff. So. We'll see what they come up Who with. Who is, okay, we'll start with a little Blue 88. This will be like the first question for Blue 88. You don't have to play the bumper more, but we're kind of right up to Blue 88. When you say a freaking meat eater, who comes to Ray Roberts' mind? Mm. Like the the absolute freaking meat eater. Who is it? In the league in general? Sure. Whoever you think of. We're maybe somebody you played with. I, Who's I, a meat eater? Well, Trent, Trent Williams is a meat eater. Yeah. Trent Williams does not does not mess around. Like he's he's a really good football <laughs> player. He's, he's getting a little bit older, but uh, but he he's a, he's kind of a nasty nasty kind of player. And uh, and I like him. I like uh, Creed Humphreys with uh, with mm. the uh, Chiefs. Chiefs. Like yeah. he's a smaller dude, and so he has to be uh, a meat eater type of player to be successful, to be a Pro Bowler, to be a you know All Pro type player. And so I, I think you you have to have guys that. Uh, that have um, that mentality that every time they go on the field, that they are the weapon. Mm. Like, like an offensive, like we don't think of offensive linemen as weapons. And uh, but but Trent Williams is a weapon. Creed Humphreys is a weapon. Uh, you know, there's there's uh, uh, you know other guys in the league that are on the offensive line that are weapons. They're not just big strong dudes trying to move other big strong dudes. And I think that's probably mm. one of the most um, Offensive line play is probably the most uh, misunderstood uh, lack of knowledge position in all the sports. That wouldn't most surprise people me. Don't know what they're, most people don't know why they're successful and why they're yeah. not. So, so let me and, ask you uh, quickly then, Ray, because we, we got to run here. But quickly, can can Charles Cross be one of those guys? I mean, that's a that's a top 10 pick. Can he be one of the – is he one of those meat eaters? Well, I, I do think uh, – Charles Cross, when he was healthy, uh, was doing better in the run game. He wasn't always like a real physical dude in the run game, uh, but he was he was kind of getting that way. And uh, and I think he's going to be a really good pass protector too. I think he does a really good job. But every now and again, just a little bit too far up the field, and people come underneath him. And so, uh, but that's a technique thing. But I think he has it all. But the the real true meat eater on that offensive line when he's healthy is is Abe Lucas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Abe Lucas yeah. when he'll, when Abe he'll is healthy, the, he'll eat the Abe grizzle. Is, yeah. 
He, yeah, Abe eats the, uh, the gristle, the bone, the meat, the <laughs> like in the great uh, outdoors. Matter with you? Yep, all of it. All but of it. Just don't know what that. You don't know what that knee is going to be, and so uh, and because to me, he's a he's a tone setter on the offensive on the whole yeah. offense. To me, is uh, is Abe Lucas when he's healthy. What's the biggest steak you've ever eaten? Oh man, I think I ate like a forty-two ounce porterhouse. <laughs> Stop it! Forty-two uh, ounces. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you have to yeah. bench press it first? <laughs> well, I used to I used to get that at the Metropolitan Grill all the time. Shout out Metropolitan Grill. I might be back there sometime soon. Uh, but uh, every time I would go in there and I try to order something different, they go, "Hey, Mr. Roberts, you know you want that porterhouse." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> Ray, good to catch up with you, man. Thank you so much. Always a blast. Appreciate you, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me, guys. All Please. right, there you go. You catch Ray, of course, on the Seahawks broadcast. Does an awesome job, pre, post, everything else that Ray does. He's a longtime favorite of the Brock oh, and Salk man, show. Porterhouse at the Met. He really Watch did Benji pick me Olson. up and put me right on a table. Yep, Tony Coates. Wonder why those guys always love to host recruits because yeah. they would go to the Met and they would eat that same porterhouse. Yeah, I bet they would. All right, let's do good. some Blue Eighty Eight. This is Brock and Salk's Blue Eighty Eight. Blue Eighty Eight. We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Franchise Tag Day starts today. It's the first day they can tag anybody if they want to. The Seahawks don't usually mm. use this uh, available option to them. Any chance they do this year? Yeah, Linda Mare, Jason Myers. Yeah, no, no, I don't think so. I was looking through a bunch of the teams. So there's going to be a lot of no's. Mm. That salary cap is going up. The two guys that would be candidates for it that you look at like on paper and say, okay, Here's a couple of the candidates. Number one, Leonard Williams, mm-hmm. big cat. That's not going to happen. He was franchised twice in in New York, and that number is a third franchise. Would be something like thirty six to thirty eight yeah. million dollars. Yeah, that's not. That's absolutely a non starter. The other guy would be Jordan Brooks. But as I referenced earlier in the show, there is no franchise number that's gone more north than linebackers. That's it is projected to be the second most expensive franchise tag. QBs are the same, about thirty six million. The same number, number two is you know just as far as going up and escalating number two is linebacker at 22 million mm. are you gonna are you gonna franchise franchise tag jordan brooks at tw- and guarantee him 20 you didn't pick up his fifth year option right exactly which, which was, was a lot less than that you're not picking up or yeah. putting that tag on him even to start the negotiations and the seahawks have used that to kind of start the negotiations you're right. not doing that no. that number's not starting anywhere with a two when it comes to jordan brooks and a linebacker so i don't I don't see them franchising anybody on this roster. All right, question number two. If you were to somehow give a voice to pro football focus, Brock, and yes. they were to just join our show as an entity, uh-huh. who would they say was the biggest problem with the run woes last year? Yeah, the interior offensive line, what Big Ray just said. Damian Lewis just never, ever took that step, man. Had a lot of time, four years, a lot of time on task. Now he had a moving pieces all around him and at center and and at the other guard position, and maybe the lack of continuity hurt all of that group. But the interior offensive line was the problem because old pro football focus, and I won't come out in a computer voice. I'm going to save that for Dan Zaborski at 9 o'clock. Do you know where Ken Walker graded his, his final all-in you know, all right. season grade? 
amongst all the running backs in the league, according to Pro Football Focus, who, by the way, looks at that and evaluates kind of yards after contact, yards before contact, tackles missed, moves, had to, everything that he has to do as a runner. Mm-hmm. He was the fifth best running back in the league. Wow. He had a grade that was the fifth best in all the NFL when it came to running backs. Is he perfect? No. Does he turn down singles looking for a home run at times? Yes. Are there going to have to be some adaptations within, you know, Huff and Grubb's system for him? Sure. But the clay is there to mold. And PFF said he's the fifth best runner in this <laughs> league. Wasn't his problem. That run game was, <laughs> what, 25th or somewhere, wherever they ended up? Point a big fat finger at that interior offensive line whose grades were woeful. Kind of tells you that it's a lot more important to have offensive linemen than, you know, running backs. All right, question number three. Which is better at this point, Brock? The Pro Bowl or the NBA All-Star pass. Game? Yeah, no pass, kidding. Hard pass on both. What a, what a joke. It's changed. Yeah, the only thing that was good about All-Star Weekend was the dunk contest, the three-point contest, and even the Sabrina versus yeah. Curry, which got marred by our buddy Kenny that just couldn't shut his mouth. So, <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole weekend was terrible. And to the point that Adam Silver, you know, handing out the hardware after the oh, whatever yeah. the score was, 298 to 211, was so embarrassed by the product. I mean, the best all-star game is baseball. Sure. Baseball is the best all-star game. But, you can't bas- go but it used to be basketball, too. Sure did. It was right there with it. And even the Pro Bowl was pretty darn fun to yeah, watch. Yeah, but guys basketball was hit. always real good. It was. Because those guys had pride, and they would go after it, yeah. and they would take on each other, and it was their chance yep. to be like, hey, man, Eastern Conference, Western Conference. Like, there was pride on the line. There's no pride. There's no pride. These guys have made oogles of money, and I'm not going to go out there and put myself at risk. I'm yeah. not going to go play. Are you kidding me? Are you putting yourself at that much risk playing a little defense? Well, I don't I know. Think, I think that that was surprising. some of the bit, but like, go watch these dudes play in the offseason when they go at it. Right. You know, like, well, go just play. do that. Go play. Right. Yeah. Well, they won't go play. No, it's too bad. It's All right. That is today's Blue 88. You know, as we talked to Ray there, and I'll give you a freaking meat eater. His name is Troy Fatanu. Okay. That guy will eat, you know, the grizzle, the bone, all of it. He'll, he'll look at the 42 ounce and smile at it and say, okay, I'll have two. I mean, he is—he is a bona fide meat eater. I, and I said that to you before the year. I said that to you during the year. I've said that to you after the year. I believe. I know you. people have mocked him to Seattle. I know we had some fun with Daniel Jeremiah a couple weeks ago in his first mock. No, I—I'm I, there with you, but I—I'm really kind of struggling with the fact that your first round pick, top ten pick tackle, isn't a meat eater. What if he's a filet mignon eater? Well, I'm—I'm I'm struggling with the fact that he's not that. And then your number 20 pick, first round pick, isn't good enough to be a top wide receiver? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Yeah, well, you're ta- you, you guys yeah, are okay. killing me for okay. saying that, not you personally. Yeah. People are going to kill me for saying that they should consider trading a DK Metcalf because they don't have another wide. Like, you drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba number 20. The, you also get what the market is willing to bear. You have what is there in the market. The market, the top two receivers last year were who, Salk? I mean, that, that's what the market was Jackson Smith and Jigba, and it and was Don't Dave draft a wide receiver at number 20. What if he is the ideal fit as a slot receiver in your system don't with care. DK and Tyler Lockett? Don't care. Don't care. Find another slot receiver. They grow on trees. If, if, if that's the problem, Brock, then draft a guy who's going to help you up front in that spot. I'm sorry. I, I just, I'm, I'm really struggling with this idea that, oh, you can't trade DK. Well, why not? You have a guy that you drafted in the first round. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you're telling me he's not good enough to be a number 1 wide receiver, then you made a mistake. Well, I'm telling you his skill set is not an outside receiver. Well, then you shouldn't have drafted him at number 20. 
You passed on a defensive That's tackle right. at number five, That's and I like the opinion. player you got. You yep. passed on other defensive linemen and offensive linemen at number 20, and I like both players. I like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I like Devin Witherspoon. But now you have a problem, and the way to get yourself out of the problem is to do something you don't really want to do because you've created a problem for yourself. That, to yep. me, is the... Well, we take yep. a quick break. We'll come right back. We'll discuss it in a little bit more detail, and then, uh, ultimately, Shannon will join us at 8.30. And then my buddy Dan Zimborski. Brock and Seattle Sports on 710. Don't miss it.